filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Ladies and gentlemen, all good things, all good seasons must come to an end. It's your buddy Gavin, it's Philip Buster Freestyle. It is a final Wine Wall and Dragons of Game of Thrones Season 7. And my man Dan O'Brien is in Philadelphia, ready to do it one more time. How are you, Dan? I'm shook. I'm shook, Gavin. I'm having lots of feelings about feelings right now. Well, most of them good, uh, you know, but there are some things that were very uh, uh, disturbing in that episode. And I, I can't wait to crack, open, crack it open with you. Yeah, uh, feeling all the feels, a lot of ins and outs, and like I said to you a minute ago, uh, I think the only way to even attempt, to attempt to, to, to get the real reactions that we had in the moment is to go, go scene by scene best we can. So, longest episode ever, I think. I think this week beat last yeah. week, correct? There's 80, 86 minutes, I think, yeah. Yep. Ten, longest episode by 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep, 1031 in the East, and we, are, we did not take time to write up notes. We just had a really long episode. I will say this off the top. I believe this episode made up for some of the things people were crying foul on for the past two weeks. I believe this episode did a pretty good job of rectifying a lot. It righted a lot of the wrongs. Do you agree? It righted a lot of the wrongs. One of my one of my major bones of contention. It did right, and we'll get to that specifically. Uh, another uh, some questions I had about another storyline. It. Uh, also highlighted those questions and leaned into them, and we'll get to that as well. Oh, I like I, that. Intrigue and mystery. <laughs> before, before I go any further, I have an unofficial sponsor of the pod tonight. Uh, the unofficial sponsor of the pod is Dante and Luigi's Restaurant at 10th and Catherine in South Philadelphia, where I had a lovely dinner this evening uh, and brought my children uh, and with another couple and their kids to their first fancy dinner mm. uh, at Went about as planned. There was things spilled all over the place. Multiple <laughs> water were spilled. I ate too much pasta. You know, nothing more obnoxious than taking your toddler children to a nice restaurant. So that's what what's that's what I did, and I paid for it. Also, while while we're riffing on stories, do you want to tell the fans and the listeners how you may or may not have gotten locked out of your own home after we did the pod a couple weeks ago? Oh, I did. This this I just want to let you know the the toll that this pod has taken on me. A couple weeks ago. After we finished, I went out back uh, outside, and I must have accidentally locked the door behind me, and uh, I was locked out in our backyard. And I could have gotten around front, but there was a there. We don't have a doorbell in our front yard, and I'm just in my shorts and socks and a t-shirt because I don't get dressed up to do the pod. That's fair. Um, it's an audio and, podcast. <laughs> yeah, so I, I found myself out there, and I was going through all the options. Can I scale the wall? Can I? What do I just? I, obviously, I just, I just call my wife, who's inside, uh, about sixty times, and she was on silent to help her sleep, and so she never answered. Don't want to have distractions. And, yeah, and after a few hours, uh, I just assumed that she would wake up in the middle of the night and find out that I wasn't there, and that's exactly what happened. Two and a half hours later, she came downstairs, found the TV blaring, still on HBO, uh, and. She looked around. I wasn't there. She goes out back. The lights are off up back because I unplugged all the lights uh, that we had back there just so I could get a couple Zs while I was out there. Got to sleep outside, yeah. Yeah, and there <laughs> I am with my arms across my chest, my legs across two uh, two chairs so I can straddle out. And I think she thought I had a heart attack for a second. Or oh, she thought, yeah, I, poor thing. 
Yeah, or maybe I just randomly decide to turn it up at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Um, get, just like pat. Time to get was, lit. <laughs> exactly. Not on a school night. Uh, and yeah, so I, I got locked out of my house for, for, uh, for three plus hours out in the backyard. And thankfully, the, the weather was, was nice. That yeah, was, that, that's good news because I, I was worried about you. I actually tried to call your wife that night and her phone definitely went right to voicemail. So. Yeah. I mean, I was going to try to call her. I didn't know. And, oh, man. And your phone was dying, I believe, too, which is the worst I, part about I, it. I was texting with you a little bit, but then at a certain point, my phone was at in like single-digit percentage right. points. And I just had to log off. So, yeah, to the listeners, can you see what people go through to do this pod every week? So, And then really quickly, before I forget, and then right into the pod, I swear to God, uh, our good friend Ann Kennedy Sullivan, pundit of the show, she and her husband and their daughter moved to Houston, Texas, of all places recently. They're doing, <gasps> they doing fine in the hurricane, tropical storm. Uh, vortex, but you know thoughts, thoughts, prayers, and everything else with with the uh, Sullivan fam for sure. Um, well, what was that? That's great. I said that's nuts. I didn't know that. Yeah, they just moved into the eye of the storm, literally. But that's okay. They're doing fine as of you know earlier today. Okay, you can only from here, you know. That's right, and so can the episode because we start off with Grey Worm and the Unsullied, and it's like welcome back to the season, guys. We missed you. Um, yes. Jamie and Braun are on top of the walls. The Darth Rackier are at the party. Essentially, this is all preamble to Tyrion and Team Danny meeting up with uh, basically Team Cersei, to keep it really simple, at the, dra- at the old dragon pit. The old dragon pit of King's Landing. Uh, what were your thoughts going into that? I mean, a lot, a lot going on at the beginning of the episode. Well, I, I, the, the episode started off well with, uh, you know, it gave Braun a nice little time. Anytime Braun gets a, gets a number of lines in a scene, you know, you're going to be entertained. So that was great. And that led into this, like you said, this big summit. And I think if you, you can maybe correct me if you think of something better, but I think that is the biggest scene in the history of the show, that summit where everybody came down just because of all the players that were there, all the people that were meeting each other for the first time or the people that were coming face to face for the first time since something big happened. Yes. Um, I tried to write down a list of a, a couple of them. It was just like, for seven seasons, you've had the mountain and the hound circling each other, and they came. They came together for the. I think for the first time, or did they, did they see each other in season one at some point? They, I mean, I have so much trouble remembering season one. But the bottom line is, we got a really good, uh, you know, listener email from my, my cousin Dougie Brown, which said, "So, uh, mountain versus um, the hound on pay per view for ninety nine ninety nine HD style." I said, uh, "I hope so." We didn't get it, but it sounds like we're going to get it in season eight. They did have a little. Well, one-way conversation because the uh, mountain doesn't talk anymore. <laughs> right. and that was great. That was fantastic. I loved uh, the Hound had a great episode too. Um, the, the Mountain the Hound. You had Bronn and Tyrion. You had Pod and Tyrion. Brienne and the Hound. Cersei and Tyrion. Theon and Euron. Cersei and Jon Snow. And Brienne and Jaime all seeing each other for either the first time or the first time since something happened large within the last few years. Right, and then of course, not to be outdone, Daenerys Targaryen landing. In the dragon pit on a dragon, and she meets Cersei for the first time ever. Yeah, her and yeah, Danny with everybody. Basically. <laughs> everybody, this is Danny, and that's Balerion or Drogon. <laughs> excuse me, Drogon. Balerion was the old one from way, way back, in, way back in the days of yore. Anyway, Drogon. Sorry, Drogon. Um, I thought the buildup was unreal. They did a great job at that. Again, I I was worried about the Hound because of how many good lines he was getting. I was afraid he was going to get it and die. He did not. Um. Let me okay. Here's one that I want to talk about because this one comes back around. Euron Greyjoy. First of all, I wrote down this in the in the moment. 
urine grade joy is a waste of time. And uh, then like a minute later, urine grade joy quits, which I wrote smart move, but what a wuss. And then we learned later in the show that he actually didn't quit. It was a bit of pro wrestling, uh, you know, mysticism, if you will, between him and Cersei. But what were you thinking in the moment when Euron just up and quit? The, he just quit the campaign. Uh, I, I, that it, that certainly in hindsight it rang false. It rings false. But I thought it it was just sort of off off brand for him a little bit because the the people from the Iron Islands say they're so you know brave. They'll do it. You know they're not scared of anything generally. They're they're their bravado is the you know the iron they pay the iron price. Um, yes. So strange. But also, like, I was just thinking, maybe he's just so not politically savvy in the beginning when he was just taking shots at Tyrion and, you know, um, for no reason, trying to settle small scores with Theon, comparatively speaking, to the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, but my one problem with that whole theory and the fact that, like, maybe he ch- tried to, uh, or, like, that was all planned, is that he had no idea they were going to bring out a white in the box. So <laughs> I, I guess he just, was he... Improving, like I, you know, I, I he started to he was going to blow up the the whole conversation in the beginning. That was clear, but then they, he just started improving when they brought out the white, and that was his, his excuse to leave. Yeah, it sounds like maybe the, if we're going to give him and Cersei credit for having the plan in place, which what the hell, why not? We believe okay. in we believe in supersonic ravens. We can believe in that. Um, so you know, he probably was going to just keep interrupting and get thrown out, and instead he was like, well, here's a great excuse because. Some skeleton man has tried to eat Cersei's face. So I'm just going to pretend I'm a puss, walk out of here, and it's even better than picking fights with Tyrion and Theon. All right, that makes sense. But Correct. I agree with you that, that you know, clearly he had no idea there was going to be a white. <laughs> yeah, but well, in that case, then great improv on his case. Absolutely. Um, how about Jon Snow predictably ruining the truce party by not swearing uh, fealty to Cersei and I mean, it's definitely there's a, there's a greater theme to it, which is Jon Snow's not going to tell a lie on purpose, which is why we love him. But in, in the moment, that felt like, damn, dude, couldn't you he just said, uh, okay? None of this just goes to show you none of Ned Stark and none of his children, and whether legitimate, illegitimate, adopted, whatever, belong anywhere near King's Landing because they cannot handle it. He does not his sensibilities. And the morality that he has and passes on to his offspring, again, illegitimate or legitimate, is not well suited for King's Landing. That, no. that was net. Oh, this, this could be John's there. That may, it just makes everything harder for them. Correct. Correct. So he took in the hard way, but very interestingly, we get a Tyrion going to see Cersei alone scene, which I wrote it on the way in because I haven't, you know, I didn't see it. Uh, I wrote bad idea jeans on paper, his worst decision yet. And it's been a long time since Tyrion and Cersei got to have some quips with each other and trade barbs. It was nice to see. It was a good trip yeah, down memory, really, memory lane. It took me back to like season three and four or whatever, two and three when they used to, you know, trade barbs every like three times an episode. It was great. Um, but th- I was, I, I was thinking, does he have like a, some sort of death wish? Is he trying to kill himself? Uh, to go out on a high note of this season? I don't know. I thought he was going to die. I really did. Um, I was pretty sure of it, or I thought he was going to, to attempt to kill Cersei. He then went to drink that wine, which just like so many of us find out that our friends and relatives are pregnant in real life, when she didn't take the wine, um, he, you know, and she made some references and kind of touched her belly, he kind of put it all together. Like, 
One, Cersei's not drinking. Cersei's always drinking. Right. What I also like, just from a break the fourth wall standpoint, is that even in Westeros, where twin brother and sister can, of course, create said baby, um, she's not going to drink any wine, though, because that would be bad for the kid. Uh, I'll say this. They cut out of that, of that scene at a very interesting time when Tyrion put two and two together and at least had said that oh, and realized that she's pregnant, or at least claiming to be pregnant. Correct. Still, I'll still hold that out there. Correct. Uh, and that's when they cut, out, cut away from the scene, and that's when the real stuff started happening, I think, back there. And I'll tell you, you cannot, I do, I do not trust Tyrion and Cersei together in a back room without anybody else and no cameras except for the mountain who doesn't speak. Um, I, I, that it makes me nervous. I don't care for it, and I think the rest of the episode played out and exasperated those fears. Exas- exacerbated. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Great word on a Sunday night at ten forty-three. Good job, Dan. I, yeah, thank you. But that's a great theory by you. That's your, you know, that's your first, you know, lead pipe, lead pipe prediction of the week. It's not a lock, of course, but great theory by you. And then it did kind of play out that way because she came back. Uh huh. And let's say she is pregnant, and let's say Tyrion's like, Danny has no success, no secession plan, can't have children, to his knowledge. Allegedly. If he can make peace with his sister, and they do a little double, triple secret probation move, then at the end of the day, he's, got, he's playing his odds. And we learn later in the show that Cersei, when she comes back and promises there's a, a bigger fight that we all need to belong on, she actually has absolutely no, no plan to follow through on that. And just to really fast forward this part of it, because it's—I don't think it's going to ruin the show—is she's got the Iron Bank and all the money that she got from Highgard is going to buy the Golden Company, who were big in the books in Essos. They're like they're, they're like vigilante types, uh, hired swords, mer- you know, mercenaries and such. So she's going to buy them. Um, she's definitely going to take back all the land and all that good stuff that that you know Daenerys is going to give up. And uh, Jamie is pissed about it, and we'll save that for later, but Cersei, Tyrion, backroom dealings, totally agree. That's all I'm saying. And you know what was interesting is, for one of these things where, where there's a lot of diplomacy and political stuff going on, and people are trying to convince each other, both in, in front of the scenes and behind the scenes, uh, varies, had little, zero role. That was, that was interesting, they didn't say anything. Anywhere, anybody. And you almost wonder. You almost wonder what Varys was. I mean, like, I don't think they have enough time left in the series for Varys's non-action to be some big thing. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong on that. But yeah, it's, it's weird for Varys to not be involved in any in any of that stuff. And he's back home. He's back where he made his bones. You know, he made his bones as the Master of Whisperers in King's Landing. It's kind of tough that he got shut out on the sideline. Well, we're, we're to a point of this, this whole story where there's only seven episodes left. Yep. We're going to see them in a year and change. Um, but don't think that they, you know, everything, everybody's story is going to be wrapped up in seven episodes because I think HBO has been pretty clear that they're going to have spinoffs. They're going to have different storylines. So, they're, you know, start keeping an eye out for what characters you think, whoever lives, yep. who is going to be enough to follow. And I don't think necessarily Barry's is at the top of the list. But who knows? The Varys, the Varys spinoff show, it will be go like Matt LeBlanc's Joey show, the spinoff of Friends. And Gab, quite honestly, I'm not sure there's a character in Game of Thrones that they could do a spinoff that I wouldn't watch. Oh, I'm in on all of them. Don't, don't you, don't you worry. And the good news is, if they go into the past, George R. R. Martin has written so many things mm-hmm. that they didn't even get to in the books, or that like artists mentioned in the books, and like they're 
They can do this forever, as long as people want to watch it. There's so much material if you go backwards and sideways, if you will. Okay, speaking of backwards and sideways, my least favorite storyline, I'm going to tell you my notes in real time, Littlefinger, still, yes. still trying to get John dethroned in the north. He's really got Sansa twisted, okay, this is in real time. This storyline in the context of everything else going on is a snooze fest. That's what I wrote. Yeah, and I think I, I think we've kind of said the same thing to each other all season. Is that this is the this was the anchor around ever this storyline's neck, uh, and it had so much behavior that was foolish on Sansa's part and out of character on Arya's part that it was frustrating and it raised some red flags. And I actually sent something to you today. Yes, for the pod, uh, having having a discussion. Of course, as every discussion ha- uh, comes uh, these days. Game of Thrones eventually comes up, and I was talking to the other couple we were with, uh, uh, Tony and Amanda, and Amanda brought up that, hey, I heard there's a rumor going out that this is all just like a work, to use a wrestling term, uh, to get to, to backstab uh, Littlefinger. And I was like, that we all agreed that would be absolutely amazing if it happened, but who knows. Um, but I, I wrote down, like, Sansa cannot be this easily manipulated. Like, she's been around the block. She's learned and been close to Cersei. She was married and spent a lot of time with Tyrion. With Littlefinger, she spent years with. She spent time with Ramsay, who is an awful human being, but like you learn how to read people. Um, so how can she not smell when she's being manipulated? And I think that was one of the most frustrating parts. It's like, you have this woman who's been around the block a bunch of times and is just getting worked all season by Littlefinger. Correct. And the best part is, and I'm going to skip ahead to kind of the end of that little arc because there's only one little scene in the middle and I can go back to it quickly, but... They come back to Winterfell, and you, I mean, it was, to use another wrestling term, I mean, um, it was a uh, it was a Montreal screw job for Littlefinger. I mean, he got he got sucker punched by Sansa. Unbelievable. We'll get into it in a minute. Basically, is getting a great comeuppance, and then Bran and Arya hit him with steel chairs in the back of the head. I mean, it was a stark f fest all over Littlefinger's face. And I was right. I was criticizing I, the entire time. I'm writing this wet blanket storyline. Brand you worthless mute. I'm writing because he's just sitting there like a lump, and he know, supposedly knows everything. Um, and he's a terrible actor to boot. But that's besides the point. I'm not a. I don't critique the show. I, I'm a fan. That's right. Um, that's right. But the collective oh snap heard around the world when she just turns to him and says, "How do you answer to these charges?" Littlefinger or whatever. Peter Baelish, yeah. Peter Baelish, yeah. Uh, I love uh, how one of his lines was, if we could just talk alone. <laughs> what? Uh, okay. All right. Uh, one last chance. I'm he also begged like a little baby. Um, and then the Aria throat slash, worth it, is what I wrote. Uh, worth it. Cold, ice cold throat slash. That was fantastic. You knew, uh, well, you didn't know. You hoped that he would meet his end by that dagger. It, they they flung it in our face too much this season for him not to meet his end. I mean, but but we didn't know. But he got it. And the best part is, he's he's the master of talking, right? He talks his way in and out of everything. And Arya slashed his throat, and he kept trying to like he was still trying to talk. And <laughs> oh, great. there were no words. All you have is gargling blood. It was a, it was a worthwhile way to end it. And I love that the Starks behind the scenes, behind closed doors, off book or off camera. Uh, decided we're gonna we're gonna give all the fans some more red meat. I mean, Arya started the season with red meat, killing Walder Frey. She ended her arc this season with red meat, killing Peter Baelish. She had a big year overall. A couple of weird little things in the middle, but it was all part of a plan. 
huge year, and I'm. The, I think the story and uh, everything is so much better served with Arya and Sansa working together. I think that's just so much more compelling to watch. Yes, because both comp they can they can complement each other very well. I'll say the happiest person in that hall in Winterfell when Baelish went down was uh, the the head of the Knights of the Vale. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, when he comes up and asks for it, get me out of here, he's like, oh no, he hated him. He had been, uh, they Yeah, been- that's, that's literally like when you've got a boss, you know, like a, a, a boss or someone, you know, a family member or whatever, and you're like, man, do I hate this guy? But I gotta, I gotta ride with him. And then you have an, you have a, you have a clear choice to say, you know what? I'm gonna let you have this one by yourself. It's a great feeling. Really liberating, I'm sure. Sweet, sweet justice. My concern is, and I did think about this right at the time, what is Sweet Sweet Robin going to say? Sweet Robin of the Vale. Robin Aaron. Sweet Robin of the Vale is no longer in charge of anything. I hope not. I hope he goes through the moon door. He uh, probably but, already has. I don't think he's coming back. He seems to be easily manipulated anyway. Let me, let me hit you with this theory because the end of the show is is really nice with Sansa. and Not the end of the show. The end of the Winterfell part of the show Okay. Is, is Sansa and Arya on the wall doing Ned Stark quotes? It's really nice. They're staring off into the distance, and we will get to all that in terms of what they were likely going to be, what's going to be at their front door in season eight. Right. I am really worried about, even though the pack is staying together, I am really worried about the Stark kids up there. Uh, unless, I mean, hopefully, John and Danny get there real soon. Uh, no, I mean, they'll be there shortly. Those White Walkers, like they said, they're the slowest army in the world. They're, although now there's there's some more. They've added some speed to their lineup. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Um, okay, really quickly, I want to give him his due. We get this really interesting Theon and John talk, in which John is like, "Dude, you're the worst," but um, you know, I'm going to forgive you for what I can forgive you for, and you are a Stark and a Greyjoy. Nice scene, and almost. You know, gives Theon, uh, you know, his metaphoric cojones back. He can never get yeah. his actual cojones back. And then he's going to go on a Yara finding mission. And he gets into a Greyjoy street fight on the beach. And uh, the, guy who's beat, the guy who's beating the crap out of him kicked him where, he, you know, his cojones used to be literally. He kind of gave a patchy flesh laugh, got his mojo back. And a pretty big face turn for Theon tonight. He finally got, you know, he got his groove back. Yeah, apparently now getting kicked in the the groin for Theon not only doesn't doesn't hurt, it's like spinach for Popeye. It just makes him strong. Reminds me of when Hulk Hogan used to get the thing where he'd wag the finger and you could like drop a tank on him. He just wave it off. Yeah. You know, he's getting hyped up, hulking up. Theon was hulking up by getting wajammied in the wajammy. It was the first. I mean, I know he saved Sansa the one time, but it was—he did so as Reek. It was the first time that Theon has had a redeeming moment in probably the entire show. I yeah, think. yeah, uh, yeah, fully, yeah, for sure. And I think that came came about because John showed him a little grace and gave him a little—you know—wasn't—I wouldn't say gave him a second chance, but just kind of. Gave him an opportunity to redeem himself and maybe a little courage to do so. Yeah, I mean the the beauty the beauty of, of what what John is doing is John is so far. I mean, for instance, twice this season he grabbed somebody by the throat and said, basically, if I had the time right now, I'd kill you myself. You know, right. uh, to Littlefinger and to to Theon. And 
the good part about it is that you know John is really truly focused on a much bigger problem, and he's a much bigger character. And it's beneath him to kill poor Theon or to kill a little weasel like Littlefinger. And so the best part is he played the long game. His sisters slash cousins, let's just call it what it is, his cousins killed Littlefinger, and he gave Theon the pep talk that Theon needed to become Theon again. I mean, that's that's R plus L equals J all day of the week, man. And will that result in this Cersei's plan of having the Golden Company come come over to, to King's Landing and save her? Yeah. Uh, I think Theon might be able to put a little... Uh, a little kibosh on it. And let me tell you what, whether he puts a kibosh on it or not, let me go with my outlandish theory of the week, okay? Ooh, okay. I don't – I believe that um, Dario Naharis was in the second Sons, right? Yes. Okay. Now, the Golden Company and the second Sons, I believe the second Sons were, were a, an offshoot group of the Golden Company. Something, something tells me we have not seen the last of Dario Naharis – Something tells me he might either be a leader in the Golden Company or something, and something tells me he's going to double-cross Cersei at a really bad moment for Cersei because you know Danny's his girl. Bang. I said it. I, I, I don't disagree with that, and I don't see how much longer Cersei can hold out as being the only human villain um, that's pretty much left. Uh, it, there's only seven episodes. We all know who the, what the real battle's going to be. It's yeah. It's so useless. Like, I, I was really hoping she'd, she'd die tonight. Um, not because, I mean, not you don't, you don't wish death on any pregnant mother, but, like, I'm, I have so little use for Cersei fighting human fights still. It, it's so, it seems like such small potatoes compared to the bigger picture, which was what they were trying to tell her, which, uh, you know, and she faked that she wanted it instead that she said she was going to do it. Instead, she turned heel for the hundredth time on the show. Yeah, like she had a mini face turn that I actually wrote. Cersei face turn? Crazy. And then by the end of the episode, she'd heel turn twice. <laughs> that was great. I, I, thought, I thought that was fun, though. Like she was, she was really, she had a, a meaty episode and she really uh, leaned into it. I liked it. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Jamie and Cersei. Jamie learns that Cersei, everything we just talked about, that Cersei's double crossing everybody. Jamie's like, dude, I'm like a pretty good guy now. Like, when this whole thing started, scene one, season one, episode one, yeah, I pushed Bran off a gosh darn tower, okay? While, while he was... Fornicating with his sister. twin sister. Yeah. Family show, sorry everybody, but we used the best language possible. If anybody can redeem themselves <laughs> after yeah. that start, and many fits and starts, Jamie's like, Cersei, we gave them our word, first of all. What the... When the hell is word ever mad... But anyway, Jamie has done a huge face turn. I thought she was going to have the mountain kill him right there. What did you think about that? I did too. And we were nervous, and there were some gasps in the house, uh, hoping that, like, when she when she nodded to say kill him, that was that was nervous. No, I didn't want to see. Like, listen, we I think we said this earlier this season too. Jamie's one of those players who has been slowly redeeming redeeming himself. Yes. Uh, since season one, with a couple zigzags here and there, but he. His honor and loyalty have been really tight. Have been really close to him, and that's why he's still friendly enough to talk to Tyrion now and again. And you know that he's in love with his sister, and she feeds his worst impulses. But everything else, he wants to be a, a good person. I feel like uh, when he's not around her, right? Exactly. And now he's basically he, he's riding off by himself to go 
it looks like to go fight alongside the other humans who are fighting the White Walkers, which is great. I mean, we're going to need Jamie. Here's the thing. Jamie's ultimate redemption, and again, I'm going to just go crazy here. You know, he's a king slayer, right? Yes. Do you think he slays the Night's King? Or, or you know, and maybe he doesn't make it to live the tale, but I think he, he will die trying to kill the Night's King, and that is a redemption all the way, yeah. all the way. Jamie Lannister next season will have a hero's death, 100%. Which is That's why they, they pulled him out of that lake, that extremely deep puddled lake in episode <laughs> five or four. Um, okay, it's snowing in King's Landing, which is really bad news. It means winter's deepening. Sam Tarly shows up, reunites with Bran. That was a good scene. What were your thoughts there, Dan? was a bad like the information that Bran had uh, being the know-it-all three-eyed ra- raven he's he just thought the big reveal was oh john's he's not john snow he's john sand because he was born down in whatever dorm. right well he doesn't know about the he thought it was just he was just kidnapped he was the product of a kidnap or whatever well also he he see he's a three-eyed raven and he does he does quote see everything but he doesn't always know where to look because he's still new at this whole three-eyed raven gig you know? Don't don't make excuses for Bran. Well, anyway, but the point is it allows our boy, Sam Tarley, to steal the information Gilly gave him. I'm sure him and Gilly talked about it up the King's Road, but it was a long <laughs> ride from Old Town. But he, he confirms that, no, my man's – he's like, no, go back. Look. Look at this part of history, Three-Eyed Raven. And then Bran's like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. He's Aegon Targaryen. Boom. And that why – like we've been talking about, like, oh, we thought Bran kind of knew this information ahead of beforehand or had more of a clear picture of it. And that's why he didn't say anything to John or send a raven to John or do whatever because he didn't know. But now, as they're having this discussion, this becomes the most controversial love scene in the history of television uh, because they could not have been more heavy-handed with how they played this as the reveal is talking, taking place between Sam and, and Bran, and they're going back and seeing, oh, who his parents are, and whispering, his name is, what was it, Edgar or Edward or whatever? I think Tar- it's Aegon. I think it's Aegon. Yeah, Aegon Targaryen. His name is Targaryen. They're showing this Targaryen laying down naked in a bed with his aunt and passionately consummating their relationship. Now, uh, Fair. What I like about the show <laughs> is they had to find a way they had to find a way to have the two heroes go ahead and do a little bit of incest but make it the least creepy incest possible because I mean like we can't go a week we can't go a week without talking about incest this but so the best part is the best part is Bran is saying John has to know we have to tell him to your point, interslice with him not knowing that he's having some coitus with his aunt. And she doesn't know either. So they did it with the best of intentions that they weren't blood relatives. I guess. And I mean, who among us? Uh, you know, <laughs> I will say, first of all, there's no such thing as a little bit of incest. <laughs> again, again, as we say every week, we do not condone incest in general in the real world, or really we don't condone it in Westeros, but it sounds like it's something we, we have to deal with and live with. But what, what 
Gavin is saying is that when the two people in question are good looking and they don't know that they're related, then he's all for it. I'm, <laughs> I don't have time to refute your point. <laughs> but anyway, how about Tyrion as, as, my, as Doug Brown? Doug Brown, winner of the night, two texts uh, during the show for questions. He said, is Tyrion a peeping Tom? <laughs> no, I think that goes back to the point yep. of I, there was something that happened with Ian Cersei. Yep. I don't. There's. There, he's going to swing a steel chair at somebody next season. Yeah, absolutely. T- Tyrion. The best part is that when this thing ends, when this thing ends, Cindy Harrington yeah. texting in. Oh, she's got a question. We'll get to it in a second. Right. But when this thing ends, Cersei and Tyrion will be on the same team, and Jamie will not be on their team. Yeah, I think I can totally see that happening. Or, or. Tyrion right now is has made a deal with Cersei, and he has been ordered, to, or you know, his marching orders are to do something not in the best interest of Danny or John. Will he actually carry out that? Correct, because he he does have a bit of a conscience. You know, he 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 can talk himself in and out of stuff for sure. Um, I was doubting the chemistry between John and Danny. By the way. And they did a pretty good job of getting the chemistry, you know, heated up towards the end there. I will say that. They 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 found a way. What are they going to do? Because they, they have not shied away from the subject. HBO has not about the – their two lead good-looking characters are blood-related and are at the same time developing a sexual relationship. They have made that very clear at a main storyline the last couple of weeks. Yeah. What happens next, Next, I guess, I'm assuming first episode, maybe second, when they find out that he is his love interest's nephew and she is his aunt? Well, again, as I, as I guess the resident apologist for Targaryen behavior, um, <laughs> in days of yore, Targaryens would take their actual brothers and or sisters as their, their spouses and recreate, reproduce, excuse me, with their actual brother and sister. So, again... If we're going to go on degrees of acceptability, right. of acceptability right. for the Targaryen behavior, this is better. <laughs> it doesn't make now, it okay, but it's better. Gavin, hear you. hear you. Uh, and I'm saying that so 50% of this couple will have a less dire opinion of this news. Danny might not be as disturbed as this. As John, because John grew up as a Stark with the Stark sensibilities. Yes, right? John's gonna have a. If, as, as, as if enough has not been heaped on John in the last seven seasons, he's been killed by his own men. He's looked into the Night King's eyes a thousand times. Uh, he got Danny's dragon killed, which we'll get into to end the show, um, right. and all this other stuff. And now he's gonna find out not only, not only is Ned Stark not his dad. But Ned Stark's sister's his mom. Danny's brother is his dad. They were married. He's not a bastard. He is the actual rightful heir to the Iron Throne if you want to get technical about it. Oh, and he probably just put a love baby, a love dragon, somewhere related, you know, and people know where we're going with that. So he's going to have a lot of thinking to do. Well, how are the viewers, as like just a normal 2017 viewer of the show, 2018 next year, Regardless of how they go with the storyline, one way or the other, like they can't continue to be love interests, can they? And if they do, then that is just 
wow, that's a big choice, a big, big choice. And, I, and, and, and again, I want to come out very strongly in agreement with you on that. I was taking the other side of the story to make it a compelling okay. pod. But if they go down that road, I'm, I'm jumping off the boat in terms of defending any of it. You're just playing devil's advocate right now. I get it. I'm just a podcast host. Podcast host. You're taking it one way. I'm just trying to have some discourse, reasonable discourse. <laughs> All right. Listen. Let's go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, just to sum it up, in your opinion, the, the level and degree uh, of incest depends on the attractiveness of the person. Right? I never said so, that. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. Speaking of attractive, speaking of attractive guys, Tormund. Yeah. Tormund and Beric Dondarrion are on top of the wall. Yes. Great segue. And holy cow, do a lot of White Walkers come out of the trees. That was cool. Uh, That was scary. And to see a White Walker, to see like a white giant, that was awesome and very intimidating. Yeah. To see them stumbling along. Yeah. And then I think what we all kind of speculated – was Viserion the dragon has now, as we know, was turned into a White Walker dragon at the end of last week's show. Night's King was riding him like an expert, and that thing shoots blue flames or blue ice or whatever it was, but whatever it was, it knocked down a big portion of the wall at Eastwatch by the Sea. I'm not sure if Tormund and Beric made it out or not. They probably did because we didn't see them die. But the White Walkers are across the plain of the goal line. They are in enemy territory. They are south of the wall. The White Walkers are south of the wall, and they got a dragon to do it. Holy friggin' frig frig. It's officially on, and that's, and it, it makes you think that the, uh, the Knight's King in his plan the entire time was to get that dragon over towards him so he could take it then turn it because you know the getting over the wall i'm sure they would have been able to do it at some point yeah but taking a long time question of the night from from cindy harrington literally touches on that dan she says how else were the white walkers going to get over the wall without the dragon was that the night king's plan all along since he had that spear at the ready i mean that could have been but the thing is the only reason they were over there is because Tyrion's, Tyrion's crappy plan. I agree with that. Um, so Tyrion in Legion with the Knights King. Exactly. So, I, <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe, maybe Cersei is, and she just t- tipped him off to the whole thing. But I do think that the Knights King is, if, if nothing else, he's an opportunist. He definitely is very well connected. Uh, I guess psychically to many things. Right. Some say he's not Bran, and I, I agree with it. He's not Bran, but I do think that he's in Bran's head. I don't mean like messing with him. I, I think he literally has some type of a forged like he's he's stealing information um, from Bran. So he must have known of the dragons. He must have known of things like that. So oh, Dan Ruddle, um, he's he's behind as as usual, and I cannot read out loud what he wrote for a message to us to read tonight. So. Uh. He called, you, he, he called Littlefinger a word that the, that the hound likes to use to call people to disparage them. Believe it at that. Got it. Um, yeah, man. So I, all I know is this. The wall went down and people are going to die in season eight like they've never died before. By the thousands. Yeah. And what's, what's good is we have a lot of – we didn't lose a ton of, of good characters this week. You know, it was – uh, you lost Littlefinger. You lost uh, the Wall. 
you lost a, a bunch of random wildlings manning the wall. Um, am I missing anybody? Did we, who, who died in the middle? Well, only, only Littlefinger. Yeah, exactly. So we have a lot of middling characters like a Beric Dondarrion, like unfortunately a Tormund, who I think is gone, wrote, risen above to be more closer to a main character. Uh, but there's a lot of people that will pull our heartstrings by dying next year. So yeah. Still a lot of marks. And so a lot of the people we thought were going to die back in episode one of this season are still on the board. Uh, maybe as we close here, before we kind of get into some speculations, I mean, who's who's at the top of the board right now for going into season eight, which is so far away, it's not even funny. Who's going to die? I mean, I think everybody's going to die, but who goes first? Um, Beric Dundarian. I think could. Yeah. I think her, he and Tormund are going to, they're in a bit of a pickle right now, probably covered by some ice chunks, and they have to get ahead of the, a bunch of these ice zombies to, to let, let people know where they're at. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm so bad at predicting, and I try to go into the show and not predict yeah. a lot. I had a lot of conversations this week, like, oh, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just really enjoying this ride. Even more so after we kind of cleared up the Sansa, Littlefinger, Arya weird weirdness. Now that that was kind of explained and had a nice bow tied in it, I, was, I just really enjoy where this is going, and I'm trying to, to suck in all the last uh, the last gasps of this fantastic show. It's unbelievable. We only have I think it's six episodes left, or is it seven next year? I thought it was seven, but I think they're all going to be closer to the length of this last one. Like they're all going to be like seven. yeah. And I will say this. Because of the length of, I'd say, three out of the seven this year, I, I feel like we got about nine episodes worth in seven weeks. And as far as moving the plot along, it was three seasons worth. It was a sprint. It was definitely a sprint. All right. I, I'm really interested to see what happens with these dragons. You got dragons on dragons. You got a double cross, triple cross going on with Cersei and the Iron Bank, and she just doesn't get it. Um, like some other people in real life politics who put themselves ahead of everything else. Um, not surprised. I, lo- I love the angle that Tyrion could be in cahoots with her just because it really spices up a lot of things. And yeah, anyway with that. The, yeah. fan, the fan theories are going to be crazy for the next 12, 18 months, however long it is. But anything to part, with, part us with, Dan? I mean, I think we've covered it all, but what a season. A couple small things, just some small things that I noticed this episode Great. that I just want to touch on is one, is no matter where he is, and I think this is going to become less important as, as winter spreads across the land, John is constantly dressed in full furs. <laughs> that, that is a little annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, always in his full fur. Uh, the look on Grand Maester Pycelle's face when he saw the dead... Kyburn. Maester Kyburn. Yeah, Kyburn. I'm sorry, I heard Pycelle. How can I get them mixed up? It's all good. Yeah, Kyburn... His look of arousal when oh. I saw it was creepy and weird, and I didn't, I didn't care for it. Dude, really quickly, because that's a, I mean, I love these little points, but if anybody's going to be the first guy to be like, can I please sign up to be an undead so I can work for you, Mr. Knight's King, it's definitely going to be Kyburn. Yeah, he's, I predict him to have uh, arguably the most gruesome death next season. That'd be sweet. What else yeah. you got? Um, just the small things. It was nice that John made it Facebook official with Danny when he said that he already bent the knee, and for, that was a big deal. To like, uh, <laughs> I, I was impressed. Uh, and let me see. 
no, we got Sam back. I'm, I'm re- just really impressed what, by what happened. And uh, I will say one thing: is no matter, even if it, we found out some things about Brand, there was reasoning behind him not doing certain things, and he was he helped. I, I'm assuming he helped Sansa and Arya with with this plan. I, he is still so creepy to look at, and it just it, in real, and not in the way that they intend. I don't think. I'm yeah. Not. Well, I'll tell you what. He, I predict a very big season for him in season eight. It better be. I, I think time will time will elapse. He'll he'll grow into his three eyed raven powers. Maybe he'll get a bit more affable. I don't know, but I mean, take a lesson out of Hode for Hodor. Like, think of him. He was such a genial character, just a lovable guy, and he he gave his life for it. Brand, come on, man. Do I miss Hodor? Uh, well, the other thing is, uh, what am I going to do on my Sunday afternoons? What's going to be my excuse not to? To have a Sunday fun day now that Game of Thrones isn't on on Sunday nights. It's sort of, much, the shackles are off me right now. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. Great question. Um, let's hope one of these shows that they're trying to get going here is worth watching on a Sunday. But, I mean, nothing's ever going to. The good news is we got one season left. And then the real, I mean, we're, we're used to having to bide our time for Game of Thrones at least a year. We have to wait a little longer this time. But, I mean, to think about the fact that Next time we wrap up a season, it's wrapped up. That's that's the real that's the real challenge, sir. I feel like we're just finishing our junior year of high school or college and going into senior year, and it's going to be super fun. But it's also it's kind of an ending too. We're coming up upon, and so that, that makes me nervous and and a little sad, Gab. To be sure, to be. I'm with late. you. It's getting bit. It's getting towards the you know. I'm just interested to see who makes it out alive and or doesn't make it out alive uh, because the Army of the Dead is, like I said, they have crossed the plane of the goal line. They are over the wall. They are through the wall. It's going to be a bloodbath. Give me four characters who you think are going to live at the end of the thing. Okay. Um, I think I think John will die. I think Daenerys will live because I, I think they're going to have a baby. Um, I'm going to go with Bronn. <laughs> I just feel like if Bron hasn't died yet, Bron's not going to die. Roach, yeah. Um, so I've got Danny. I've got Bron. I've got. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, the Hound. I think the Hound is going to kill his brother, and he's going to get to live. And then I think Arya Stark, alligator blood. Uh, I've got. I think Sansa's going to live. Yep. I think Sam. It's going to live. Okay, yep. I think he'll be there. Great one, uh, great one. I think definitely you're right on that one. Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a Lannister left in sight at one when all is said and done here. Um, John and Danny, no. Yeah, I don't... The Hound is kind of a good one. You think... Or Theon? Oh, if Theon lives? I mean, I'm glad I like Theon a little better right now, but if Theon lives, holy cow. No, nobody wants. All right, I don't even have an answer to my own question. Oh, uh, Brienne and Torment. I think they're going to live. Brienne and Torment are going to create monsters who will yeah. hold back the undead in the future generations. And I will watch. That is that is a series I would watch a spinoff. Also, they're not related. We know that for sure. So we can get behind that one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we're. I, we are 100. I mean, I might find out some information down the road. No, there's no way that you know the Isle of the Isle of Tarth is is south of King's Landing. Torment had never been below the wall unless he was on a raid. I mean, Good. for years, they're not related. Let's support that relationship. The one relationship in Westeros that nobody's parents are involved in being the same people's parents. It's great. It's good. Or, yeah. 
All right, no, no better place to end it than there. PhilBusterFreestyle.com. Uh, Wine, Wall, and Dragons, done for the year. Dan O'Brien, as always, thanks so much. Um, you. And you excited for football season? That's what you can do on Sundays? Yeah, yeah I guess so. I mean, yeah, I got, I got to see it first. I got to get in there. I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited. like the Army of the Undead for Danny, you got to go and actually see a real live football game on TV, uh, and then, then hopefully you'll be in. And then I'll decide. I like it. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks a lot, everybody. No theme song this week. I'm too darn lazy. Filibusterfreestyle.com. We thank you. We love you. Please share with your friends because Dan and I, you know, we like doing this. We like getting questions. And uh, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. Peace out.